Wake up every morning, your mercies are new, God. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Great is your compassions that fail not. Thank you for your grace and your faithfulness toward us. And God, I pray for just that, that you give us mercy and grace tonight, that we may hear your heart, Lord. Sometimes we're not listening like we should, and sometimes we don't hear your voice, and sometimes we're not even trying, but God, tonight we want to. We want to hear from you, God. And I pray as we sit before your feet and open your word that your spirit would touch your word, God. And may it speak loudly and deeply into us tonight. And so here we are. We are listening. We give you this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the year of 1984, (laughs) people woke up to... The interest rate, get this, was 10.75%. I kind of remember that. The average price of a house was $86,000 or $86,730. The average income per year was $21,600. And get this, the average monthly rent was $350. (laughs) Crazy, huh? That year, 1984, people woke up to... Sony actually coming out making the first three and a half computer disc. Remember that, Stephen? Yeah. Uh, people woke up to CD players coming out on sale on shelves. They were like that. No more al- well, albums were going, yeah. In 1984, on TV, Magnum PI and the 18 became very popular. Huh? And some of you like it even today. In 1984, you know what come out that came out that year in theaters? Karate Kid, The Terminator, and Ghostbusters was released that year. How funny. Kind of um, shows our age huh, and all that. Well, it was that year, in the month of April, 36 years, 2 months, and 17 days ago, I woke up to the dawn of a new day. And what was that? Well, Kristen and I were married on April 28, 1984. It was the beginning of a new era for us, you can say. It was a brand new life together as husband, wife, married together. And you know, right when the sun came up on that Saturday morning, I bowed my head and prayed on the beach. And then I jumped in the water and went surfing. I had time. The wedding ceremony wasn't until 11 a.m., so don't judge me here. No. Well, it was a beautiful day, not just that it went surf, but it was a new day and a new start for us. Well, as we continue here in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Luke, we find that when the sun came up on a day almost 2,000 years ago, people woke up to a new day. It was a new era. God was once again moving and speaking in the land of Israel after 400 years. A new era was just beginning, and this was God's timing on this day. On this day, in this day, it was when John the Baptist was born. And that was the day, what I call, the dawn of grace. And so that's the title of our message tonight, the dawn of grace. We're going to finish up this chapter, finally. Luke chapter 1 from verse 57 to verse 80, all the way through the end. And so we're going to try and run through this. A lot of verses to cover tonight. But our outline is this. We're going to see three things. Number one, a special baby. Number two, a special word. And number three, a special destiny. 
So let's begin here. Number one in our outline in, in this uh, dawn of grace we are coming into. Number one, a special baby, a special baby. Now, we're going to cover verse 57 through 66 here if you're taking notes. And that's what we're going to be covering in this first section. But first of all, take a look with me here. Two verses, verse 57 and 58. Verse 57 and 58. Now it reads here, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And we'll stop right there. So we begin with this momentous event. Yeah, just amazing thing that happened here in verse 57, that the time came for Elizabeth to give birth to her baby boy. And so we've been kind of wrapping up to this, right? And we know whenever a baby is born, yeah, it's a time to rejoice. And so the people were rejoicing, but even more so because if you remember, Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah the priest, they are in their older age. They're, they are elderly. They're past the childbearing age. So it's no wonder we read here in verse 58 that her neighbors and relatives, the family, they heard what was going on and they saw what was going on. And it had sh- they saw that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And that's why they even rejoice even more. They, they were thinking how the Lord was so, mercy here means like compassionate and good. It's the goodness of God upon this couple, this elderly couple who were childless this whole time. And God came and blessed them. And you know what, when I read the word great mercy here, it's God's goodness, compassion, and his grace had come upon this childless couple. So what an unusual event to happen. And I'm sure the family and neighbors were like, wow, well, what is this? You know, elderly Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah here. Now, you remember back in the first part of chapter 1, the angel had appeared to Zechariah, the priest. And you remember he was in the temple at that time. And uh, the angel told him, you guys are going to be pregnant. And uh, the baby's going to be John the Baptist, the forerunner to the Messiah. And remember how Zechariah didn't believe? And so he asked for a sign. So the angel said, well, I'll, ask, I'll give you a sign. You're going to be mute. You can't talk. You won't have a voice or anything. So he lost his voice. So now we come nine months later, and here we see that all that God said through the angel had come to pass. So what a great moment this is. It's come to pass. The baby is born now. Now take a look at verse 59 through 63 now. It reads here, And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. Verse 61, And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And then verse 62, And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is Fred. No, his name is John. And they all wondered and we'll stop right there so here's what's going on the baby's born now in jewish culture as it goes after the baby's eight days old the baby is circumcised circumcised it's a ceremony and at that time the baby is officially named there and maybe i don't know if the parents didn't figure out what to call the baby you know had eight more days to decide perhaps so thinking as the culture dictates the baby boy would be named after the father, Zechariah. Here's, here's Zechariah II or something like that. 
And so they go to the mother. Okay, let's officially name the baby. The baby circumcised and everything. And what did this mother say? You're going to name him Zechariah, right? And the mother goes, no. His name is John. So everyone's confused. Like, what? Wait, what? 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 You know, at least maybe you might name him after the grandpa or the great-grandpa or someone in the family. That's what they're thinking. But, but no one in the family is named John. What? This, this is what, what we do culturally. This isn't our custom. This isn't the way we do things. So they thought, well, the mother says, no, let's go to the dad, right? It's kind of like our kids, right? If you don't get the right answer from mom, you're going to go to the dad and try and get the other answer, right? But what does the father do? So the father, they made signs. Notice here, isn't it interesting here that in verse 62, it says they made signs to his father. You know, some commentators think because they made signs, perhaps Zechariah was deaf also, yeah? Or else they could just talk to him. So maybe when, the, when he got mute, when he couldn't talk, he lost his voice, he couldn't hear either. So they're making signs to him. And then he asked for an iPad, a tablet. No. Anyway, he asked for a tablet to write down what, his, what the name he wants. And he writes down, he says, his name is John. So just like the mother, so the father says, John. And why is that? Because that's what the angel said, right? earlier in chapter 1, when the angel first appeared to Zechariah in the temple. So, here we see at the end of verse 63, and they all wondered. The neighbors, the family who was there at this ceremony, and officially the name, they thought Zechariah, but it's John, and they all wondered. The word means marvel. They, they were astonished in how adamant the parents were to go against the culture. So understand some things going on here. I mean, it was so unusual that this older elderly couple has a baby. And the second unusual thing is the people saw, they were naming the baby John. No one in the family, but John. I found this joke. A Jewish man fainted when he found out his wife gave birth to twins. Needing to name the, babe, the two babies, his brother had stepped in because the father was like out for days. Well, when the father revived a few days later, he said, What? My brother named the babies? Oy vey, he was Jewish, right? And he said, Not him, not that jokester. Well, well so what did he name the baby girl? Denise was the answer. And the father's like, Well, okay, that's not so bad. I actually like that name. And then he said, well, what did he name the boy? The nephew. You get it? The niece, the nephew. Anyway, I thought that was a good one, yeah? Verse 64. Okay, well, go on. Go on, Pastor Rick, go on. All right. Verse 64 through 66 here. And immediately his mouth, that Zechariah, was open, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. Verse 66, And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So can you imagine now, if we go to verse 64, it says, And immediately his mouth was open. Zechariah's mouth was open, right? So can you imagine this moment? immediately, right? He writes the name. And I kind of picture this. So Zechariah is like writing on the tablet, John. His name is John. And the family's like, 
are you sure? You know, they're like, like, you know, they're trying to do signs to him saying, are you sure? Are you sure about this? And he's like pointing and he's like, no, his name is John. Like what he wrote. And the family's like, wait, but that's against our culture. Uh, it's against our culture. It's against our traditions and custom. And maybe he's pointing and Zechariah's like, no, no. And he's trying to, you know, as he's getting all emotional and trying to obey the Lord through the angel, and he's trying to say, no, no. And perhaps they're going back and forth. And perhaps Zechariah's like, no, it's, and he's mouthing the word like, no, what he wrote. No, his name is. And also maybe when he gets to John, wouldn't it be great if God opened his mouth and all of a sudden he's like, John, could you imagine the whole place, you know, where they're having this uh, ceremony, just go silent? Like, he speaks. Whoa, whoa, he's talking. But isn't this wonderful? If that's the way it happened, right after that, it says his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God. He started to praise God. He started to give God Glory. I mean, think about that. His last words nine months ago were words of doubt. But now when he opens his mouth, it's filled with words of praise to the Lord. So here's another unusual thing that happened. When Zechariah suddenly speaks again, everyone, I mean, the unusual thing is suddenly he's speaking. And then when that happens, everyone can see something's going on here, right? God is moving. God is on the move. He's doing something. There's too much stuff. I mean, no wonder, right? It says next year in verse 65, that fear, yeah, this awe came upon everyone, the family, the neighbors, everyone who was there. And all these things, what's all these things? The elderly couple having a baby, uh, going against custom, naming him John, and, and then all of a sudden Zechariah can speak. All these things were talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. It, it just spread out all around. What is going on? Something's going on here. A miracle's been happening. And all that heard laid them in their hearts. Like they, they were like pondering in their hearts and thinking, what's going on here? God's moving. There's something. This is unusual. This is going on. And then in their hearts, they were saying, what then will this child be for the hand of the Lord was with him? In other words, they're saying like, what is this child going to be? This baby. There must be something special with this baby. Who is this child? What will he be like? What is God doing with this baby? So you see, all these events is telling everyone this is a special baby. I mean, wouldn't you think so? If you were there, if you were one of the members or fam, um, one of the neighbors or family members, you're going, something's up here. God's doing something here. This is a special baby. We never see miracles and stuff going on like that. You got to know God is moving. A Dr. Bob Cook once said, if you can explain what's going on, God didn't do it. And it's like, wow, that, that's a good way to put it, yeah? And this is unusual, unexplainable. So here's what we see. God showed a new day was dawning by these unusual and unexplainable events. God showed a new day was dawning by these unusual and unexplainable events. You know, I, I mentioned the other week about how during the Jesus movement, the revival, you know, back in the late 60s and 70s, and I, I was watching a little clip the other day, so I have this in my mind, but you know what was uh, amazing is these hippies were coming to the Lord. Now, people, uh, uh, these, these young people that no one would ever thought, you know, 
would have their lives change and, and would turn around like this. But they were coming to Jesus. And some of these guys, they're musicians, so they started writing songs and they started writing Christian songs and worship songs. And, and with much criticism, Pastor Chuck allowed them to come and play in church. Guitars, drums, electric guitars, bass, electric bass. And you, and, and you know, at that moment, the modern worship that we enjoy today, like the bands and guitars and stuff, it was born. It was a new era started at that time, you know. Uh, before, it was just piano and organ, and it was all hymns. Not that hymns are, are bad, but that's what it was. I remember one song by the group Love Song, and they wrote this song called Little Country Church. You might have heard of that. And it spoke about this revival that was going on, and it spoke about how this revival went against the religious culture of that time. And some of the words were like little country church on the edge of town, people coming uh, every day from miles around for meeting in Sunday school. And it goes on to words like, preacher isn't talking about religion no more. He just wants to praise the Lord. People aren't as stuffy as they were before. They just want to praise the Lord. Other words are like they're talking about revival and the need for love. That little church has come alive, working with each other for the common good, putting all the past aside. And this is what I like. Long hair, short hair, some coats and ties, looking past the hair straight into the eyes. People finally coming around, and it's very plain to see it's not the way it used to be. It was a whole flip of, of, of what, church is, what church is like. That's what happened during the Jesus movement. That's what I experienced because I got saved toward the end of it. And, and hippies coming to church and people dressed up in, you know, coats, ties, and everything. But hippies just coming in barefoot. It was, you know, and that wasn't normally church. But it's not the way it used to be. And you know what? So is this day. When John was born, God is on the move. It's unlike... What, is, what it's been. Things are going to start changing. There's gonna, God is doing something different now, even going against the culture of what they were used to. Let me ask you, do you notice maybe miracles going on in your life? Maybe some unexplainable events, things that you can't explain, things that are unusual, things that are out of the blue, things that don't normally happen, or at least you thought you, it would happen or even get away with. Could it be that God is moving? Could it be that God is working? Or maybe sometimes when things happen like that, we might even tend to look at it and see things as, well, we've never done that before. Yeah. Well, that's not how we, we've done it here. Sometimes we get these thoughts and we can create doubt in our own heart and close our minds to something God is doing. Whether it's new, whether it's different, whether it's unusual or unexplainable. You know what happens to us? We're, we're like more like visual, right? And so if we can't wrap our minds around it, we can't logically figure it out, then we just reject it. But be careful of that. Because those are, the, those are the times when God could be moving, right? Those are the times when we need to be open to that. And it could be God doing a new work in your life, you guys. God is bringing you into a new era 
error in your relationship with him. So don't, sometimes don't try and figure it all out. Trust God, believe, and you know what? Watch for the confirmations, and that's what we're going to see. If, if those things are happening, it's probably the dawn of a new work. Well, let's go on to number two, a special word, a special word. We've seen a special baby in this dawn of grace, and now a special word. We're going to be covering here uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 67 to 75 uh, in this section. But first of all, look at verse 67. Verse 67, it says, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, we'll stop there. Now, John's father uh, Zechariah, he breaks out in this prophecy now. Just like the mother was filled with the Holy Spirit in the section before when Mary came to visit with carrying the baby Jesus in her womb, right? Zechariah now is filled with the Holy Spirit. His mouth is open. He's praising God. The Spirit comes in. And now he prophesies with a special word now. This is from the Lord that's coming out. God gives him something basically to say. Because why? Time has come. It's time of the Messiah now. It's the beginning of the coming of the Messiah. After 400 years of silence, you remember that? God begins to speak once again, right? The last time God spoke was back in Malachi in the Old Testament, the last book in the Old Testament. 400 years later, come into the New Testament, and now here in the book of Luke, 400 years later, God is beginning to move and speak to the nation of Israel. Hey, have you had those moments where maybe words just flow out, you know? They just come out. I'm not talking about when you're mad <laughs> or you're upset. I know, I know that. They just flow out, right, when you're upset. No, that's not what it should be, right? These are the times when the Spirit comes over you. And you know what? We should have more moments, not of the flesh, but of the Spirit, coming upon us and the word of God and God speaking through us. And, and, and I'm just kind of inspired by what is happening to Zechariah. And I just want to encourage you guys to be open to that and look for that. All right. So what is he saying? What does he prophesy? Well, look at verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Visited. God is visited. God has come down. And matter of fact, Mary is already carrying the baby Jesus. So he's visited, right? He's come. He's come to rescue us from our sin. Redeem. He's come to redeem. The word redeem means to recover by paying a ransom. And so Jesus paid that price, right? For our sins, to redeem us from our sins, to recover us, to rescue us from our sins. I, I think about like when you go to Recycle Center, right? You bring the can, right? to turn in so you can recover your nickel that you had paid originally at the store. That's why we go redeem our recyclables. Well, that's what God has done. He's come to recover us, to redeem us. And notice it says, has visited us and redeemed. So not only is Jesus in Mary's womb, but you know what? It's good is done. This is like, it, it, this is going to happen and it's good is done. Verse 69 and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 70, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old. So as prophesied by the Old Testament prophets, prophets, the Messiah 
will come from a descendant of David, and, and we talked about that earlier, and we'll talk about that later. But um, So Jesus came and was a descendant of David, and he came to be, I like this, the horn of salvation. Raised up a horn of salvation in verse 69. Horn means power or strength, and it comes from the idea of an animal who has horns, and it symbolizes the animal's strength and power. But I love this, where it says a horn of salvation, because you know what that says? Jesus is powerful enough to save me from my sins. That's what it means. Psalm 40, verse 2 says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. I love that. He can pull us out, out of anything, out of that miry bog clay, you know, all that junk stuff. And he can do that work and save us, and that's our hope. All right, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Now, this looks forward to the end when Christ's second coming, he'll set up his kingdom and save all of Israel and bring them together and, and they'll be God's people once, once again. Though at this time the Jews were looking for the Messiah to save them from the Romans, uh, Jesus' first coming, though, is to come and save us from our sins. Verse 72, to show us the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So what God promised Abraham, that Israel will, will be given mercy, Israel will be saved, that God would keep his covenant or agreement, to, that he would keep his word to save Israel. This is what Zechariah is praising God for, and this is the word coming out. Time has come for that to begin to happen. That God would save his people and then bring his people to a place where they may serve God in holiness and righteousness. That they would be able to serve God without being tripped up with sin and separated from God with that sin. You know, think about it this way. Our sin messed us up so much. You know, we lost our purpose, yeah? We lose our purpose in what we're supposed to do and be here for in serving God. But the thing is, this, what Zechariah is saying, Jesus has come to bring about this relationship with God, to restore that, and, to, and then people can finally be able to fully live for God. So what we see is this. God speaks of this new day dawning where people will be saved from their lostness. God speaks of this new day dawning where people will be saved from their lostness. We got to know that. We got to understand that. You know, uh, here, people were listening to all this. Did they fully understand? I don't think so. But God was beginning to speak and trying to reach out to, to them that there's a new day dawning that you can be saved from your lostness. You know, with the COVID-19, um, there's been a big emphasis, right, of hand washing, right? I mean, you come in, you got to do hand sanitizer, you know. Uh, be sure if you go somewhere when you come home, wash your hands thoroughly. Or, you know, there's this big push on that so that the disease, the virus, wouldn't be passed along and, and transferred, right? Did you know that it wasn't 
always a regular practice in the medical field to wash your hands. I mean, today you see the surgeons, you know, make sure they scrub down really good. But it wasn't like that a long time ago. The father of hand washing goes to a Hungarian obstetrician named uh, Ignaz Semmelweis. Before, this was back in the mid-1800s, before doctors, you know what, they wouldn't wash their hands. Isn't that crazy? They didn't have gloves back then. And they would, like, go perform an autopsy on a dead person. And then they'd go and, 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 and uh, treat someone. And so what was happening is, is in this hospital, they go, like, do an autopsy and cut a dead person open. Then they go deliver a baby. And then a lot of mothers and a lot of babies were dying. So Dr. Semmelweis figured out that proper hygiene, just the washing of hands, could prevent many deaths. Go figure, right? It's like, huh? I mean, that should make sense. I mean, today for us, that's in our faces right now because everyone's saying, wash your hands, hand sanitizers, and all that. But back then, even though this doctor discovered this and started telling people, it was slow for other doctors to even catch on. Crazy, huh? I would say, though, today, more than ever, everybody is catching on to this. Well, think about this. A new day is dawning here in Israel where God is bringing the solution to sin to them, and not all is realizing this. God is speaking. A a, a new day is dawning. People can be saved from their lostness, and it's all here, but not everyone's going to receive it and see it in that way. And I say this because, will you realize tonight that God is speaking to you? Will you stop and think about that? Wherever you're at with your walk with the Lord, and especially if you're listening in and you don't know Jesus Christ, maybe a lot of this doesn't make sense. Maybe some things are flying by and maybe you're distracted. Maybe things are going, but... You know what? God is speaking words of hope here, words of love, and God wants to help you. When I first came to the Lord, I didn't fully understand everything, you know? But now I look back, it makes sense. I wish I wasn't so blind before, and I wish I would have came to the Lord sooner. But even in my doubts, even in my lack of understanding or not really having a lot of faith you know what god in his grace loved me so wherever you are go to jesus understand god is speaking here understand god wants to do something in your life don't be resistant to that yeah trust him as he moves in your life and you too can come to your dawn of grace. Well, let's go to number three and we'll finish up here. A special destiny. A special destiny. We've seen a special baby, the special word, uh, special word, and now a special destiny. We're going to cover verse 76 through 80, the rest of this chapter here. But first, take a look at verse 76 and 77. Zechariah goes on here and he says in verse 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. So, here's Zechariah now moving on from talking about the Messiah, moving on to now the baby. Now this baby has been circumcised. Now this baby has been officially officially named John. I don't know about you, but I can picture him picking a baby up, right? And maybe 
holding the baby up and, and he's going to prophesy over the baby and maybe start singing a circle of life. No, but anyway, but he's holding a baby up there, right? And everything, right? So he begins to prophesy that this child, you child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. In other words, you are going to be a bona fide, genuine, like Old Testament prophet. That's what you're going to be. Just like the prophets of, of the old, a, a prophet of... God. And you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. He's going to go. John's going to be a messenger of God telling everyone about the coming Messiah. He's going to call the people to turn their hearts to the Lord. We're going to see a lot more in, in chapter 3. And he's going to give the knowledge of God's truth pointing to that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Lamb who has come to die for our sins, to take away our sins. And in him we can have forgiveness of sin. So we see, even as he starts, this baby holds a special destiny, and he's called to uh, uh, be the prophesied forerunner of the Messiah. Malachi 3, the end of Malachi says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And what an amazing moment that must have been for Zechariah to speak this out. No more doubt. To speak this out. God is speaking now and showing that, Here's the forerunner that has been prophesied. And you know who's coming next? The Messiah. We're at this dawn of a new age, a new era. The dawn of grace is coming here. So then, he, sees him, he says in verse 78, Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the, the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So, here, John is to prepare the way for Messiah, but, but why does he do that? Well, it's for the Messiah, because the Messiah is going to come. He's preparing the way for, for, we see here in verse 78, the tender mercy of our God to come. The tender mercy speaks of God's compassion, his love, and you know what? His grace toward Israel. They don't deserve it, you know? They've, they're not really worshiping God in how they should. They're, they're in legalism. Many aren't there, yet God has come at this time. He's been silent 400 years, but now he comes in grace toward them. And notice, when God shows up here, when, after 400 years, he does not come with what? Condemnation, judgment. See, you, got, you know what? I'm going to wipe you guys out. I'm going to start over with someone else. No. He comes with tender Mercy with grace. And what I love about just reading this too is, remember Zechariah, his name means Yahweh remembers. Elizabeth means God of oath. Remember that, that Yahweh remembers his promises. We, we kind of put that together. The, the name John, that means God is gracious. Isn't that amazing? So here, Yahweh, the Lord remembers his promise to save Israel because of what? His grace, because God is grace, gracious. So you see why? This is the dawn of grace. The sun is coming up. And God didn't come with condemnation, but we, he came with hope and grace. And you know what? He's calling us to. If you don't know Christ tonight, if you never really gave your life to him, you know what? He's calling with hope and grace. This is the dawn of grace in your lives. God is wanting to do a new thing in your life tonight. Right now. And it's His grace. Not because you, you deserve it. We don't deserve nothing. Not because we're worthy of it. 
but just because he wants to do it because he loves you. So it says here next in verse 78 that whereby the sunrise shall visit a visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in the darkness. And I love that. The sunrise is the Son of God coming in to the, this time. The sunrise is the light of salvation coming into those who are sitting in darkness, the darkness of sin, the bondage and slavery to sin, who live in, it says here, the shadow of death. What is that? The consequences of sin is to die in our sin, Right? We live in that shadow. But Christ has come to bring light to save us from that. And Jesus is the light to guide our feet into the pathway of peace. Peace with God. Finally really having peace in our lives. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the sun rising with the light that takes out the darkness of sin. You ever been in like a real deep cave like lava tube or... I think we were in Hezekiah Tunnel in Israel, and when they turned out the lights, it was like black, so dark, you can't even see your hand, you know. It was so dark. But once the light was turned on, you could see, right? But did you know light dispels darkness? But darkness cannot dispel light. In other words, it's never so dark that light can't overcome it, right? Darkness cannot Um, drive out darkness. Only light can. Darkness can't overcome light. No way. Not at all. And that's Jesus. Jesus is like that. He can and will drive out darkness in our lives. Okay, the last verse, verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance when he started ministry into Israel. And again, we'll see more of this in chapter 3, but basically John grew up fulfilling his destiny. He fulfilled what God called him to do. He went out and lived in the wilderness. Uh, uh, He lived a different, not a normal life. We'll see that too. You remember Matthew 3, John wore clothes made out of what? Camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And what did he eat? Locusts and wild honey for food. Yeah, yum, yum, eating bugs, no way. Well, our last thing, point is this, and what we see is God sent this baby to one day point toward grace and forgiveness in Jesus. God sent this baby, John, to one day point toward grace and forgiveness in Jesus. A Dr. E.T. Sullivan once said, the greatest forces in the world are not the earthquakes and the thunderbolts. The greatest forces in the world are babies. (laughs) I like that. Not because they cry (laughs) and scream in your ear. No. You know why? Because they grow up to be people who can be mightily used by God. That's why. And this is John. In a way, you and I, we have been born again. We've become children of God. You know what? To make a difference in the world around us. Understand it. We are kind of like John, like John the Baptist. And you know what? Kind of like him, we need to be pointing to Jesus. We need, be, we need to be showing G- people that Jesus is the light. And Jesus can dispel the darkness in their life. We need to point and say that they can find grace and the love of God in Jesus. Just like we did. Yeah. We're not perfect, no. But this is God's grace in our life, right? God doesn't say, well, you've you got to be perfect before I use you to 
be a vessel to point Jesus like John, point out Jesus like John the Baptist. You know, if that was true, I would not be up here. None of us would be up here. Nobody, nobody would be used of God. No one. But by God's grace, He can use us, and He wants. You know why? Because He wants to bring grace to others in this world. And let me tell you, especially now. Especially in the world we live in right now, especially in this time of uncertainty, especially when we don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, when the election happens, what's going to go on at the end of this year? I mean, I really thought this virus would start going down, down, down. But look what's going on, right? California, Texas, yeah? Florida, Oahu. Praise the Lord, our numbers are still low, but still, we don't know what's going to happen. So, especially. Now, you guys, we've got to be pointing people to Jesus. And you know what? We're waking up to a new dawn, a new era in the time in our life. And I believe it's a a new call upon us. I believe it's a new work He wants to do in us, in our relationship with Him, and also in how He wants to use us. How He wants to use us to be a light in this world, shining the light of Jesus. I'll close with this. And the author, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, was a young child. He was sick much of the time. He couldn't go out and play like the other children, so he spent a lot of time watching uh, out the window. And one evening he sat and watched as a man came down the street, outside his house, on the street, lighting the gas lamps back then. There wasn't electric, it was all gas, so you had to light them one by one. So this man went by lighting all the gas lamps down the street, and the nurse asked him, what are you doing? And Robert Louis Stevenson replied and said this, I am watching the man knock holes in the darkness. Isn't that good? That's what God is calling us to do. That's what we've been saved to do, to point to Christ to point people to Christ and to knock holes in the darkness. So this is a time right now, like it was then, it is the dawn of grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, so much for what you are doing, Lord, in our lives. Thank you for your provision, your protection, God. Thank you that even when we go through things, you are here, we sense you, we feel you. But God, let us now... Take that strength you give us and be courageous and start living, God, for you in this time, in this moment we have, Lord. God, let us take the opportunity to truly live for you and shine your light and be like John the Baptist. God, I know you're calling each one of us. Lord, there's a new work that you want to do, whether it's to turn from sin, to bring us closer to you, to to change our life and turn it all around. God, you are doing a new work in us right now. I believe it, Lord. And for those who have never received Christ, this is the day, this is the time to receive him. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us who are listening to the sound of my voice, that we would all turn to Jesus and step into this new dawn of this new era of our life tonight. And so help us today, in Jesus' name, amen.